Well, good morning. How are you doing today? Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? I trust that uh, each and every one of you uh, had a wonderful time with family or friends uh, and experienced just uh, a, a wonderful time of reflecting on the goodness of our God, His incredible provision for us, how much He loves us, and I, tr- I hope that uh, your Thanksgiving Day was simply a reflection of your Thanksgiving year, for certainly we should be celebrating Thanksgiving every day for all the goodness that God has given to each and every one of us. My name's Joel Buffington. I'm the family pastor here at Grace Point Church, and I'd like to invite my wife to come and join me. Actually, we could just be dismissed after that wonderful uh, little sermon from S.M. Lockridge. I remember hearing him a lot on uh, cassette, <laughs> cassettes. <laughs> yes. What are those things? <clears throat> um, and then uh, Austin, great message there. You know, we could, we could be dismissed now, but, but we're not. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, Angela's going to join me up here, and I'd like to invite all the, all the little kids. Uh, Angela's going to read a story to us uh, this morning. And so if you consider yourself a kid and you want to come up, uh, come forward and come join us. And are you on? Are you on? Come on. Okay. Angela's going to read a story to us. I'm not doing this by myself. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. If you come when the sign comes up for Children's Church, come down. <clears throat> now, when, um, when my boys were, were little, one of our favorite things to do was to, uh, yeah, come on up. Come on, gather around. It's okay. One of, my, one of my favorite things to do was at night, I'd crawl in bed with them and I'd read them a story and uh, that was one of my favorite memories. And then um, at Christmas time, we would go out and we would buy uh, some of these little special books. This is a Max Lucado book called The Crippled Lamb. And uh, we would read those uh, during, during the Christmas time. Yes, it was fun, wasn't it, Colin? I just love doing it with you. <laughs> you can come join us. Come on. <laughs> You're not do it? All right, go ahead. So, Okay, this is one of my favorites, The Crippled Lamb. Once upon a time in a sunny valley, there lived a little lamb named Joshua. He was white with black spots, black feet, and sad, sad eyes. Joshua felt sad when he saw the other lambs with snow white wool and no spots. He felt sad when he saw the other sheep with their moms and dads because... He didn't have a mom or dad. But he felt saddest when he saw the other lambs running and jumping because he couldn't. Josh had been born with a leg that didn't work right. He was crippled. He always limped when he walked. That's why he always watched while the other lambs ran and played. Josh felt sad and alone, except when Abigail was around. Abigail was Josh's best friend. She didn't look like a friend for a lamb. She was an old cow. She was brown with white blotches that looked like rain puddles on a path. Her belly was as round as a barrel and her voice was always kind and friendly. Some of Josh's favorite hours were spent with Abigail. They loved to pretend they were on adventures in distant lands. Josh liked to listen to Abigail tell stories about the stars. They would spend hours 
flowers on the hill looking out over the valley. They were very good friends. But even with a friend like Abigail, Josh still got sad. It made him sad to be the only lamb who could not run and jump and play in the grass. That's when Abigail would turn to him and say, Don't be sad, little Joshua. God has a special place for those who feel left out. Josh wanted to believe her, but it was hard. Some days he just felt alone. He really felt alone the day the shepherds decided to take the lambs to the next valley where there was more grass. The sheep had been in this valley so long the ground was nearly bare. All the sheep were excited when the shepherd told them that they were going to a new meadow. As they prepared to leave, Josh hobbled over and took his place on the edge of the group. But the others started laughing at him. You're too slow to go all the way to the next valley. Go back, Slowpoke. We'll never get there if we have to wait on you. Go back, Joshua. That's when Josh looked up and saw the shepherd standing in front of him. They're right, little Joshua. You better go back. This trip is too long for you. Go and spend the night in the stable. Josh looked at the man for a long time. Then he turned slowly and began limping away. When Josh got to the top of the hill, he looked down and saw all the other sheep headed toward the green grass. Never before had he felt so left out. A big tear slipped out of his eye, rolled down his nose, and fell on a rock. Just then he heard Abigail behind him, and Abigail said what she always said when Josh felt sad. Don't be sad, little Joshua. God has a special place for those who feel left out. Slowly the two friends turned and walked to the stable together. By the time they got to the little barn, the sun was setting like a big orange ball. Josh and Abigail went inside and began to eat some hay out of the feed box. They were very hungry and the hay tasted good. For a little while, Joshua forgot that he had been left behind. Go to sleep, little friend, Abigail said after they finished eating. You've had a hard day. Josh was tired, so he laid down in the corner on some straw and closed his eyes. He felt Abigail lie down beside him, and he was glad to have Abigail as a friend. Soon Josh was asleep. At first he slept soundly, curled up against Abigail's back. In his sleep he dreamed. He dreamed of running and jumping just like the other sheep. He dreamed of long walks with Abigail through the valley. He dreamed of being in a place where he never felt left out. Suddenly, strange noises woke him up. Abigail, he whispered, wake up, I'm scared. Abigail lifted her big head and looked around. The stable was dark except for a small lamp hanging, hanging on the wall. Somebody's in here, Josh whispered. They looked across the dimly lit stable. There, lying on some fresh hay in the feed box, was a baby. A young woman was resting on a big pile of hay beside the feed box. Joshua looked at Abigail, thinking his friend could tell him what was going on, but Abigail was just as surprised as Josh. Josh looked again at the woman and the child, then limped across the stable. He stopped next to the mother and looked into the baby's face. The baby was crying. He was cold. The woman picked up the baby and put him on the hay next to her. Josh looked around the stable for something to keep the baby warm. Usually there were blankets, but not tonight. The shepherds had taken them on their trip across the valley. 
Then Josh remembered his own soft, warm wool. Timidly, he walked over and curled up close to the baby. Thank you, little lamb, the baby's mother said softly. Soon the little child stopped crying and went back to sleep. About that time, a man entered the stable carrying some rags. I'm sorry, Mary, he explained. This is all the cover I could find. It's okay, she answered. This little lamb has kept the new king warm. A king, thought Joshua. Joshua looked at the baby and wondered who he might be. His name is Jesus. Mary spoke as if she knew Josh's question. God's son, he came from heaven to teach us about God. Just then there was another noise at the door. It was the shepherds, the ones who had left Joshua behind. Their eyes were big and they were excited. We saw a bright light and heard angels, they began. Then they saw Joshua next to the baby. Joshua, do you know who this baby is? He does now, said the mother. She looked at Joshua and smiled. God has heard your prayers, little lamb. This little baby is the answer. Joshua looked down at the baby. Somehow he knew this was a special child and this was a special moment. He also understood why he had been born with a crippled leg. Had he been like the other sheep, he would have been in the valley. But since he was different, he was in the stable and among the first to welcome Jesus into the world. He turned and walked back to Abigail and took his place beside his friend. You were right, he said. God does have a special place for me. And he has a very special place for all of you too, even when you feel different, even when you don't know what's going to happen next. He has a plan for you. And your story matters just as much as Joshua's did. Thank you. You can go back. What's your favorite story? As I look back, uh, my mom and dad uh, read lots of stories to, to me whenever I was young. And uh, some of my favorite stories, uh, I could stand here for hours and talk about different stories that meant a lot to me. Stories that I enjoy most, though, aren't stories that are written in a book. The stories that I enjoy most are stories that I have experienced, I've been a part of. Stories that make me laugh, stories that make me cry, stories that challenge my thinking, stories that stir up deep memories. The, even the story of running into Pastor Tim, one of my favorite stories about how we began to talk and how God brought us here. The incredible story of how this church years and years ago started a missions movement and that missions movement went from here to Calvary Church and then uh, people from Calvary Church interacted with my father up in Wisconsin. He came to faith in Christ and literally that story went around the world, and here we are as a result of something that happened years and years ago. I love those kinds of stories. 
Well, as Tim has said earlier, we believe here at Grace Point Church that every story matters. First of all, it matters to God because God is the author of each and every one of our stories. And whether we realize it or not, he is writing all those details that go into our life. He is pinning out those kinds of, uh, of details, those relationships. And because of that, we come to understand that God values our story. Our story matters to each other. So it's important not just to tell our stories, but also to listen to other stories. And life really is all about our relationships, and the foundation of all of those relationships is our ability to communicate. Something that we all do everywhere that we go. Communication at the bottom line is telling our story. And, and as we learn to verbalize what we have experienced and what God has done for us, through us, and what he's continuing to do this, we come to understand on a, on a, on a big, bigger level, that this is all because of, of who God is and what he has done for us. Because God is a personal God, because God is a relational God, because as a, God, a God is one that communicates, he's made us in his likeness, in his image, and we in turn are like God. There is just a little bit of God in each and every one of us because we're created in his image. And because of sin, certainly that image is a little distorted, but we are telling a story every day. And the, the issue is not whether our lives are going to reflect a story because we're all going to tell a story. The exciting thing is that when we come to understand that God is writing in our lives. He's writing the story of who we are, what we're about. And when we come to really grasp that and understand that and really enter into an intimate relationship with the God who's writing our story, boy, it makes an incredible difference in our lives. I'd like to invite you this morning as we uh, open our Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2, one of my favorite stories. Luke chapter 2. If you uh, don't have a Bible, there's one near you, uh, the Red, Red Pew Bible. It's in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through. And the New Testament starts off with the book of Matthew, then Mark, and then you're at Luke. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is one of the stories that my parents would read every single year at Christmas. And we would read this over and over and over again. And in fact, we would memorize it and then we would start quoting it. I couldn't do it now because it's a little bit different version, but uh, I could quote you the old version, but you uh, may be a little confused. So anyway, Luke chapter 2, let's begin reading. I want us to read uh, beginning with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Maybe a little crippled lamb snuggled up next to him. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that says happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. However, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? It's a fantastic story. The story of God coming to earth. And just the little account that Luke writes and shares with us of this scene that has been made into all kinds of porcelain figures and whatnot. We even have one out in the the lobby. Beautiful uh, uh, picture of Emmanuel, God with us. And this story has impacted the world in incredible ways. And this story has changed lives over the centuries. It's not just a story, it's a beautiful beautiful story of God's incredible love for us. And when God's story comes and impacts your life, it not only changes your life, but it urges you, it compels you to share that story. The scripture told us that Mary, she kept these things in her heart and she pondered them. I like to say she chewed on it for a long time. And obviously she told it because it's written down. Obviously she shared this. And Luke tells us this wonderful story. Why don't we for a second go in our imagination and hear what Mary has to say about this. As long as I can remember, we'd been waiting for the Messiah to come for us. My family, our tribe, our whole nation... I always knew that he'd come, but, well, let's be honest, it's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And everybody knows that not much good comes from Nazareth, never has. I thought for sure that Angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. But if that's what God wanted, who was I to tell him he was wrong? And Joseph, God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have had me sent away. He could have even had me killed. But he just never broke the promise to marry me. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to ride by his side. 
even with heartburn and bloated cankles and nine months of pregnancy behind me. <laughs> you know those women who try different things to induce labor, like going on frequent walks or eating spicy foods? What they should do is go on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem. Because not long after I got there, and I'd never done this myself, but even I knew it was time. <laughs> and with every wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help me, and that I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the familiarity of home. But when Jesus finally came, I forgot all of that, though. I just wrapped him in cloths and tried to make the most comfortable bed I could for him with the only thing I had, which was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. There he was. The one the angel had told me about. My heart was so full, I couldn't even find words big enough to express it. first young mother to bring a child into this world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, my redeemer, I knew that he would change everything because he'd already changed me. Mary treasured this story. And she kept it in her heart. And I could imagine that during those nine months, God was doing an incredible work in her life. And she understood that God was writing a beautiful story, and she was part of it. Can you imagine her interaction with Elizabeth? As she went and she told her story. For when, when you understand that God is writing his story in your life, you can't help but share it. And I wonder if over the past couple of days, if, as we've been celebrating Thanksgiving and giving praise to God for all the things that he has done for us, have we really grasped the truth that God is writing our story with all of the details? Certainly with Mary, there was a lot of ugly there. There's a lot of pain there. How do you explain a pregnancy 
before marriage in that particular culture. Joseph, what did he have to deal with? The whispers, the rumors. And yet, because he understood as well that God was writing this story, the angel came and told him, and by faith, he had to accept this. And I could imagine time after time, both of them trying to explain, you don't understand, this is God, God's working this, God's doing this. As they shared their story, people were going, mm-hmm. And yet, they held on to that. And they lived their days knowing that God had written them in to his grand story from the beginning. The other group that we read about in this wonderful story was the shepherds. The shepherds were part of the story. Who were shepherds? In that particular culture, at that particular time, there were nobody. Aren't you glad that God comes to nobodies, ordinary people? And he begins to write your story, my story, and includes us. What do the shepherds say? It was a night like any other night, except for that angel. Ain't seen nothing like it before or since. Us shepherds, we don't get a lot of excitement out there on the pasture. But that angel, it was so bright, so beautiful. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been out in that pasture just a little bit too long. And you'd be correct. But that all changed when that angel came right up to us. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I was like, too late. And then the angel said, no, I wrote it down. I need to get this right. Hold on. Um, okay. The angel said, um, milk, bread, no, that's my grocery list. Then the angel said, I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then the angel said, he's lying in a manger wrapped in cloth. Go find him. Okie dokie. So we're all sitting around, and then one of the shepherds, the thing was Steve, he's like, hey, what are we doing? Let's get out of here. Let's go to Bethlehem. So we hightailed it out of there, <laughs> and we found that beautiful baby. I'll tell you, I was a different man after that. God chose me. Nobody's ever chosen me for anything. I'll never forget what that angel said, though. The angel said, I bring good news to all people. That means you, too. Realize that the writer of your story chose you to be part of his story. You have to share it. When you realize that the writer of your story chose you to be part of his story, 
You can't help but share it. You have to share it. So I ask you a simple question today. What story are you telling? Each and every day as we walk this earth, we're telling a story. We're part of a story. We may not realize it. It may not be at the forefront of our thoughts. But we're telling a story every single day. And that's why we say every story matters. It matters to God because he's the author of every detail of your life, of my life. And sometimes we don't like those details. Sometimes those details are hard. Sometimes those details we don't understand. God in his book, he didn't sugarcoat any of it. It's hard. It's tough. Why is it tough? Because we're broken. And yet he still writes. And yet he still loves. And his love will never, ever fail us as he continues to write. And when we understand that he's writing our story and incorporating us in his great story, it changes things. It messes with us. And we should be compelled to talk about him and the beautiful story how he reached down and took us and reached up and took the hand of the father and brought us together that's a story that matters and every story matters because God's the author of it all I hope you chew on that this week Heavenly Father I thank you so much for your incredible love for us, your love that does not fail us, your love that included us. And Lord, as you have over time thought of us and have taken the time to painstakingly write out the details of our life and merge them, Lord, with your incredible, beautiful love story. Lord, I hope and I pray that each and every one of us would be captured by your story and understand that our story is part of your story. Lord, may we have a heart of thanks because of that. May we be compelled to search for you in all of those details. And Lord, give us the privilege of sharing our story, of listening to other stories, and pointing those that don't know your story and helping them see how they are part of your story as well. And we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.